Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 50. Indeed, 5-0. It's unbelievable. It sure is. From humble beginnings to a construction-ridden hellhole. Speaking of, yeah, today, uh, apolo- anticipated apologies. If you guys hear some noise in the background at some point during the conversation, they are doing construction in right next to our studios, just banging with hammers in our head. We have been mostly able to avoid it today. Yeah. So for the most part, it went well. There may be a couple of spots that, again, we anticipate you know sorry sorry ahead of time basically they all can't be perfect yes on uh, on the other hand i'm on the good things today before we start now with sponsors and everything mr evan calver back among us back from the digital wasteland yes as work all when time. was the last episode you were around man i don't even know it's been a long it's been time a while, yeah but you were on the phone for Dan Carlin. Well, you guys are, oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you guys get the benefit of his technical expertise since he's the guy who always is the reason why we are able to be on uh, all the places where we're at from iTunes, Teacher, Cloud, you name it. The episodes got, he's our computer whiz and has been able to keep us afloat the entire time. We are thinking with Rich today is like, if uh, if Evan decide to just move to Costa Rica and join a commune and disappear, we would it. basically have nothing tomorrow. It would be like, <laughs> yeah, we have all this recording. How do we even... So, thank you, man. No it's problem. Great it's having you here. I would never do that to you there. <laughs> so, I went to you're Costa not Rica. joining a commune no, in Costa Rica no, no, tomorrow? Okay, no, that's good. Soon, or do it with, with Wi-Fi, at I think least. I would do it so that I could, you know, work remotely and, and have more freedom. So. That would be ah, beautiful. Yeah. I'm down with that plan. Yeah. Um, quick few things for an intro the deepest thanks to our sponsor onnit.com datsusara and the man himself bandnet at shore design shoredesignt-shirts.com uh, one thing that's interesting about datsusara and onnit is they just partnered up I love the fact that two of our sponsors actually introduce themselves to each other and work on something so there's a new product that onnit is selling that are Datsusara, some of the Datsusara bags that have been redesigned with an Onnit logo for them. So they established this partnership 
And uh, they must have know, the Joe Rogan fanny pack in there somewhere. I don't know if they do. I think it's just backpack and one. Of, I didn't check the full lineup, but I was really happy to see the two of them working together. That's I'm like, perfect. I felt like a matchmaker, even though we really had nothing to do with it. The fact that they hooked up was great. Well, so, thank you, Chris and Aubrey, Aubrey, as always. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you guys can always check Datsusara for a whole lineup of hemp gear, bags, computer bags, backpacks. All your travel needs are taken care of that way. Plus, the jiu-jitsu crowd who may be listening today due to the subject of our interview, uh, hemp gear is as well available from Datsusara. On it.com, you have the whole range of, well, the trifecta of uh, workout gear, ranging from battle ropes to kettlebells to everything in between. Cool, healthy food. One of my favorites are the new, um, well, there are a couple different ones. I love, love, love the hemp protein powder. Chocolate, can't beat that. Mm. And they, they have this um, uh, kind of based on a Lakota recipe, they have this... Uh, uh, the jerky? Know. Yeah, thank you, man. I, <laughs> English was escaping me right now. Beef jerky, buffalo jerky, buffalo as a matter jerky. of fact, with uh, great stuff. And, of course, the supplements, everything from Alpha Brain and the whole range of them. And, of course, short design. We cry happy tears every time we go through the short design website because the, the amazing stuff that the man puts on his T-shirts is just too cool to be through. <laughs> Uh, speaking of t-shirts, you guys want our t-shirts that are made by Shore Design, either the original logo t-shirt or the Dionysian Parade t-shirt, either one of those. Order forms are as always on the in the episode notes. Other things that we should uh, throw in here at the top? I want to do a, a quick mention of my new friend Benton Rooks, who was actually mentioned by um, Graham Hancock last mm-hmm. time. He's got a crazy ethereal comic coming out that's based on sort of these nutty stories that uh, he and Graham share and the artwork is unbelievable and I think it's called Kali Yuga and it's got a web page it's got a Facebook page and I think they're getting ready to launch it very soon so he was kind enough to reach out and ask if maybe we could say hello so there you go hello and uh, Kali Yuga as usual Kiva continues to go crazy um, almost fifteen thousand dollars in loans from you guys. Nice. That's that's really impressive. Anybody can sign up. A twenty five dollar loan gets you started and uh, help somebody buy a cow or a water pump or anything like that. And of course, and of course. Oh my God, I was about to forget. Um, I'm in a deep state of shock post the. Uh, Duncan called me, Duncan Trestle called me a few weeks ago saying, hey, you want to come up to uh, Portland to do a live podcast in front of a live audience with me? I'm like, love to, can't make that day. He's like, how about Vancouver on such and such day? I'm like, sure, cool, I'll go to Vancouver. My dear friend Pete McCormick is out there, so I was happy to visit, always good to hang out with Duncan. But, you know, I had no idea what this would mean, what it would be like. We go there and there's this theater where people show up to see Duncan and I sit on chairs talking to microphones to each other. And it's fucking awesome. I mean, the whole thing, I I couldn't believe it. You guys were so unbelievably sweet to us. You made us feel very loved. You made uh, It was great, man. It was, uh, I love this idea of actually meeting some of the people who are listening. Because, you know, it's great getting emails. It's great having that content. But having an actual face-to-face meeting and one of the funny things about the whole uh, podcast experience with Duncan there was somebody had chosen 
that part, the end of the um, our show to propose to his girlfriend. So there was this, uh, it was great. Duncan told me ahead of time, he's like, oh, you know, this guy contacted me. He wants to propose to his girlfriend at the end. So he's going to come up on the stage. I uh, will give him the microphone and so on. How did he handle the disappointment? Of <laughs> no, she was <laughs> This is what you got? The Duncan <laughs> Trestle show? Really? No. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck your ring. No, she was great. And, uh, he was great. He turns out he had, I take it that she did, but he had never smoked weed before. What? So. You know, and she's marrying this guy. An initiation was in order, and uh, folks, there's a certain amount of testing you should do. Yeah, no, of various activities, uh, favorite sort of hobbies. All those should have be felt out, even the tiniest bit, before you marry somebody. Fools! I think the the fact that that he would propose at the end of our show makes up for any. He could be a serial killer, and he would make up for that. So, how did he get brought up at the at the proposal? How did how did it come up? Well, as we are wrapping, Duncan always makes things flow so damn good, right? He's like, I still have to hear him stumble on something where his words don't flow. So he can go from closing the show, uh, we're almost done, and suddenly, before you know it, with three words, he's managed to bring the guy up on the stage, and you barely even realize what's going on, and it's happening, right? And it's just Duncan managed to make it flow well. And the guy came up, and uh, did he think? Oh, no, I was just talking about the weed, the the smoking marijuana. Oh, how did he come up? Well, because then we (laughs) chat at the end, afterwards, we chat with the guys, and they were just... uh, Because they were... uh, No, it was nice. They were very... But yeah, man, so those of you guys who are in Vancouver, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're awesome. Go Canucks. It was great. So on that note, let's get going with this episode. Okay, guys, back for another episode. Today we do something different. You know, usually when we do... Actually, we do something different in two different ways. One, because this time it's supposed to be our in-studio episode with uh, just Rich and I. False. That's not the way it's going to be. We're going to have guests today as well, as well as next time. Part two, you may have noticed I said guests in the plural. Our usual one-person gig has just been expanded to two people today. And we have, this is a very interesting combination we're going to have today. It's chaos. It's wild chaos. Here is who we have. Mr. Carlos Enrique Elias, or Kaike, is that how you say it? Yes. Absolute legend of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. We're very welcome to the Drunken Taoist. Thank you. And our man, Albert. How the hell do you pronounce your last name? I always screw it up. It's Ohanian. Ohanian. Okay, that's not that hard. I just, but again, I can't speak English, so of course it comes no, out that way. Say, say it again. Ohanian. There you go, perfect. I got it. That's uh, my new connection with the Armenian community are deepening by the minute. So it, it's, it, it always ends with the IAN. Of course, it's exactly. Like Yan. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Unfortunately, Kim Kardashian, you know, her dad was right. Armenian. Unfortunately, it screwed it up for the rest of you guys, no, right? Like, you know, what's Everybody. unfortunate? Come on. Yeah, like my, uh, I live in basically Little Armenia because I live in Glendale, where just about everybody is Armenian so over the there. Podcast Richie. Podcast Glendale? reach the world. The world Everywhere okay. in the world, people this can download. This is a global yes, deal. They love us in Finland. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, we have. Um, but so let's play because you guys come clearly from 
different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Albert, uh, he was here one time as a mute guest one day when he was in the studio with us for um, Albert Operates uh, Float Clinic in Torrance. And uh, for those of you guys who are in Southern Cal want to try flotation tanks, that's the place. And um, Kaike, you are a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu instructor. You have been here a long time, kind of pioneering Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in the U.S. with the Gracie family. And uh, how did you guys meet? Um, well, Albert came to our school. Mm-hmm. I think you tried something before, don't you? I was doing the whole DVD Gracie thing. Yeah, so he was trying something before, and he came to our school to try physically on the mm-hmm. facility. And uh, he was really impressed with the, the instruction we have there. And he decided to join, and that's how we met and we became friends. Is your academy right now in Torrance? Is no, my academy is in Lomita. It's right Lomita. next to Torrance. Right next it's to it. It's like half a mile distance. Okay, right there. And um, uh, this is our main academy. Mm-hmm. So we also have other affiliates all over the U.S. That of course. follow our program. We're going to talk about the program, so I'm going to definitely be more specific of what we, we do and what we think about the martial art. Of course. To give a listener a little bit of background, how did you start, like, let's go back way in the day, how did you start in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Clearly, as people can tell, as well as from, you know, how today is going to be a battle of the accents, because uh-huh. I speak English with my own yeah, weird round yeah, yeah. of Italian, yeah. you have your Portuguese accents, yeah. and... Uh, and I'm going to go full Nashville, just exactly. for the hell out of it. <laughs> Whoa, that's good. <laughs> The, um, That's good music. <laughs> howdy, y'all. <laughs> the, um, how did you start in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? And how long ago was that? Okay, when? for I I start to be on a on a martial art when I was 15 years old. Okay, and but uh, a little later, I I was a surfer. You know, I grew mm-hmm. up in Brazil surfing. Yep. So I start to surf when I 10 years old, and that was the environment I was was surfing and rock and roll nice you know so tough life huh yeah oh yeah <laughs> and, and i go to school and stuff so i got involved in a martial art and a friend of mine that's one the Elio gracie's son uh-huh. uh, is a very good friend of mine and uh we were always going to surf together and i see how he solved problems with any disagreement with the surfers <laughs> at the beach and I say, man, I got to learn this because I cannot keep calling you to solve my problem. <laughs> right. you know I mean? So that's how and he took me to his school and I would, because we were very good friends. So we were together all the time. Mm-hmm. That's how I start. And uh, it was a very unique situation for me because at that time in Brazil, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, or Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, was... A very small community. We were a very elite group, mm-hmm. you know? So not too many people practicing. First of all, because the price. Second, because was not... Uh, people knew about the effectiveness sure. of the martial art. But it's a football mm-hmm. country, you of know? Course. So I... I have the opportunity to be very close to Elio Gracie, to be very close to his sons. And that gave me a big opportunity 
to learn jiu-jitsu and to become good in jiu-jitsu right you know so yeah that's, that's talk about an opportunity you're i was reading you're one of the only eight people without a gracie last name to receive a black belt from elio gracie oh I mean, yeah yeah that's as close to the source as anybody ever gets oh, yeah, <laughs> you know that's it doesn't... great that's great and uh, we're going to have opportunity to talk about elio gracie too that's something sure. i would like to of course we can through, do that uh, yeah. um we can even do it now but just to um, give people a time frame you're talking to early 70s 1970s yeah, yeah, yeah. is when you were starting uh-huh. to train and yeah okay perfect well do tell us about Elio. He is obviously yeah. like larger than life, right? So, so w- when I started to train, like I say, it was a small group, mm-hmm. right? And um, I have the opportunity to get close to them because I was pretty much the one of the few partners to train with, right? You know, and uh, I became very interested into the how culture that was developed by the two brothers mm-hmm. in terms of uh, diet in terms of uh, philosophy into the martial arts you know and uh, I learned a lot on not only for jiu-jitsu but only how to take care of my body you mm-hmm. know so I, I have memories of Elio Gracie that was something that I'll never forget about it but one thing is a is a is a something that makes him a unique person. He was so determined mm-hmm. about the martial art, about jiu-jitsu, that you could say he was a reincarnation of a, a, a samurai or a warrior for a long time ago that was focused in a in a in a in a how to develop his skills and how to to develop the skills of the people around him. Mm-hmm. And I never saw him focus on money. His focus was jiu-jitsu. Right. And that made him a very unique person. And I, I even on his family, there is no one that was so determined like him, you know? Yeah. Uh, 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 that is, that is um, something that after... He started getting older. He was a big leader for us, mm-hmm. you know, leading us to t- different situations. And uh, after he started getting a little older, um, the martial art took a different direction. And a lot of people start to think with their own way and not with the guidance of a leader. And jiu-jitsu went to a direction of a sport. Mm-hmm. I don't even like to call jiu-jitsu a sport. I never do. I always right. say it's a martial art because that's what it is. I learn jiu-jitsu because I want to defend myself. Mm-hmm. I want to know how to handle a situation if I have to. Right. So in today's world, uh, I can say 90% the people who practice this Pretz with a sport mentality. Definitely. And that's not wrong. That's what people opted to. But I think a lot of people was guided to this direction without to know. Right. You know, took the popularity we got from the UFC. Mm-hmm. And, oh, jiu-jitsu, I want to learn jiu-jitsu, I want to learn jiu-jitsu. But the, the student coming in, and the instructor is the one who's going to guide him to the direction 
is right or wrong. Right. You know? So a lot of these guys, they got into this direction where this became a sport and this became uh, with the useless techniques as a martial art. Mm -hmm. And and it really, like, it took away a lot of the effectiveness of the martial art. Absolutely. And that's one of the tricky things, because even if one looks at the history of judo, you know, Jigoro Kano started judo and, you know, he wanted the effectiveness as a martial art. He wanted it as a philosophical movement to develop Uh somebody as a human being, as a person. And then he also threw in a sport aspect. But then the sport became bigger than everything else. And one of the things that, in fact, in his later years, Jigoro Kano was complaining about was this is a whole package. This is a way of life. And all that's left is a sport that has twisted much of the philosophical basis of the art and the effectiveness as a martial art. And, you know, he couldn't say this is bad because he liked some of the sport aspect, mm-hmm. but he said it became too big. It, it crushed everything else. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's maybe one of the problems with jiu-jitsu too is like some of the competitive <laughs> aspect of jiu-jitsu is fun. It's great. But when the competition becomes closed in itself, it becomes a game about who score more points rather than... Yeah, yeah. Then it's where all the other aspects go away. And yeah, I have, a, I have a good explanation for how... Um, why these competitions can be productive. They mm-hmm. can be positive for the right. student. It's a way... These things were established because in Brazil, when we grow up with jiu-jitsu, the only way you could test yourself is in a real fight. Right. And because we live in a country that was like with this macho society that you could fight anytime, <laughs> you know, right. at the beach or anywhere, a guy pass and look at you or whatever. So it was kind of little today because I I got older and I got wiser. Right. I see how barbarian could be. Right. All right. But also is a human nature and it's right there. We just make it dormant and we kind of, you know, yeah. civilize it try to control ourselves, you know? But the, the tournaments were established in a way we could have a student there to test themselves in a safe environment mm-hmm. where punch was not allowed. He's going to face a person that he never saw before so he could control his fears, he could control his emotions. He could So that was a way mm-hmm. to grow you as a human being and grow you into the martial art. I agree. So, so that feeling was lost mm-hmm. because the whole idea today is like, oh, I want to go there because I want to win the medal. Yeah. I want to win the medal and I want to... So then they start to develop techniques that I will give you an example of a judo. Judo, they prohibit you today to take the grip from the gi with two hands. Yep. Yep. Because they want to establish you a, a, a possibility or, or a, a condition for you to do a takedown, mm-hmm. which is the main thing. So these tournaments in Jiu-Jitsu, they, they, they allow the techniques that were developed only to reach the medal. They were developed to stall the fight. They were developed to kind of uh, uh, reach a, a, a little advantage or a little point, you know? Right. 
and they forgot the effectiveness of the, the martial arts. So you went to this direction, which, look, I, I believe in people's choice. I believe mm -hmm. that, that we live in a free world and sure. you choose whatever you want. You sure. know? But I also believe that what we do needed to be productive and need to be positive for mm -hmm. the student as a human being. Absolutely. You know? And and that's that's the point. I believe that kind of events they needed to produce something more than this little uh, target to get the medal. You know, I agree one hundred percent. So these tournaments were created with the idea of developing the students, mm -hmm. developing his skills, developing him as a human being, his strengths as a person, and. Uh, The points will create for, to teach him to reach a position, a side mount, a mount right. position, a back position, you know? And, and, and of course, the main goal is to have the submission, mm -hmm. but it is not what you're going to do every time you are in a situation of a combat. Of course. And, and um, so when you have a tournament, that you create with the submission only. Mm -hmm. You breaking jiu-jitsu apart. Right. When you make a tournament where there is advantage, there is an opportunity for guys to grab both arms, to grab in certain way, you break the martial art apart again. Of course. So this is a kind of thing that that it takes people with the knowledge to understand that. Mm -hmm. And our job, my job, Well, my school is to transmit that to the students. Right. They can play around. We believe the way we teach jiu-jitsu as a self-defense, as a martial art, they can do anything they want. They can fight on the cage. They can fight in a tournament. They can defend themselves. And they can have fun and have a great workout. You know, martial arts is a great workout. That people Absolutely. don't realize that because you do the workout without to even think. Mm -hmm. You think about something else. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing activity. So Yeah, in that sense, it becomes a real meditative practice because for many people, if you tell somebody, uh, meditate now, relax now, it's like, they are tense, they are not going to relax. Well, yeah, you're but thinking you, about right, it. Right, you give them like something it. intense to do and now they are focused 100% on what they are doing and that becomes a meditation in itself because oh, yeah. you stop, oh, yeah. you, the mind stops flowing. So you said you go. started in the 70s, right? Yeah. What effect did Bruce Lee have on Brazilian martial arts in the 70s? Because well, in we, the United we, States we, it we, exploded. We, we didn't have any. Here he, uh, he was famous and stuff, but he, in Brazil we truly believe like he um, because we have so many combats with the different martial arts. Right. And we were able to show the effect of jiu-jitsu. And it was a completely different story than the cage today because it became like a gladiator fight, you mm -hmm. know? Right. So you watch videos, you study your opponent right. so much, or I'm going to avoid this. It's a very, very high, uh, um, uh, intense competition on the cage you need to study you need to train very hard so it's a completely different story of when the UFC start mm -hmm. that was just pure martial artists yep. in each style 
And when we were in Brazil too, that we have these combats against the other martial arts. Sometimes a lot of guys, they walk in and they say, I want to test, I want to say, oh, this thing don't work or whatever. It happened here in America too, well, on the beginning of the right. UFC. But uh, we always succeed. And so we don't have it too much thought about Bruce Lee at that time because we were like thinking we were the greatest. You know what I mean? <laughs> of course. <laughs> and one of the things that when uh, the Gracie family, when they started making the move to the United States, it was difficult to, to sell jiu-jitsu in a way before UFC oh, because yeah. everybody had the idea of martial arts from the movies. So everything was about punching and kicking. And here you have a martial art that mostly grappling base. Oh, yeah. You have fighting on the ground, which is something that most people were not familiar with. So they didn't see it as they didn't see beauty in it they did the ecstatic of the martial arts were for my movies and movies didn't show ground fighting because it doesn't look as good in the movies yes yeah. and so it was really like ufc became almost a teaching tool to show oh, people yeah. hey this works and this is how it works because otherwise good luck trying to say you know everybody had the idea of martial arts is asian you guys are from brazil yeah, how oh, the hell yeah. is that? Oh, yeah. what, and, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and martial arts is flying in the air and kicking people in the head, and you guys are grappling on the floor. This is not a martial art, you know. There's yeah, we, we used to have these events in Brazil, but never organized, you know. Right, kind of, you know, you always uh, break a fight mm -hmm. on the audience and chairs going around. That thing was wild. <laughs> I that had, thing uh, was crazy wild, you know, and and. Uh, so, um, uh, Hardy Gracie is the first one that moved to the United States. Right. And then, after for a while, he came up with this idea of the UFC. Yep. And uh, that showed the world and say, oh, man, what these guys doing? You know, what these Brazilians know? Yep. Exactly. I want to learn that too. I, and I remember that time we have the schools full, man. It's like <laughs> a line of people to of learn in the seminars and everywhere. It was like yeah. so many people want to learn. It's still like today's growing, it keep it growing because it's an effective martial art. Right. And it's fun to practice, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, one thing I, I noticed that you can practice jiu-jitsu for many, many years. But you might cannot practice Muay Thai for many years. Of course. You might it's cannot practice because the kicking and the punch is so hard in your body, yep. you know? So that's one thing that we like and, and, and uh, is good in Jiu-Jitsu because you can practice for a long time. For a long time, know? definitely. And one thing I was going to tell you then is, is that we just start this new federation here mm -hmm. in the United States. Is, uh, Hickson Grace is the one that came up with the... the, the idea actually yep. like i've been thinking about that for a long time but it's like you say jiu-jitsu was here with the horn with the, some of the guys and they were teaching a garage and some nobody knew about of course and i am teaching jiu-jitsu as a martial art in mm -hmm. my schools or my affiliates or my students couple other doing the same but we are little flags you know in the high population right so we need to come up with something that will bring this thing together and start to show people hey, look this is something you should know mm -hmm. you can after you know this 
You can do whatever you want. You can like play the tournament that you want, go to any tournament sure. you want or do whatever. But you need to know this if you want to be a jiu-jitsu black belt. If right. you want to be a jiu-jitsu practitioner that know what jiu-jitsu is about, you know? So Hickson Gracie came up with this federation out that I've been supporting and mm-hmm. other guys been supporting too. And it's all about that, to preserve the program that was a mas- that is a martial art right. with self-defense, a martial art that's effective to develop a person's confidence, to mm-hmm. develop a person's sense of how to defend himself, you know? Right, so there's a sort of going back to the roots of having this more holistic approach to jiu-jitsu yeah, yes. rather than a purely, you know, tournament points kind of game. Yeah, definitely. yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah. the whole idea, you know? One thing that you said earlier that I just want to pick up because it was funny when you said about the chaotic riot scene that would take oh, place yeah, at some of the event. I remember reading once, I don't know if you were there or... Uh, about a fight between Enzo Gracie and Eugenio Tado. Oh, yeah, I where saw there was a, I was there. Yeah, I, I remember reading the result, and I'm like, fight broke up because of the audience rioted. I'm oh, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, there's a chest flying all over. What happened? Like, what happened there? Is, whoa, you know, it, it, it can take one thing to start. <laughs> it can take one thing to go there, break a, one fight, and boom because there was a rivalry between oh, Brazilian yeah. Jiu-Jitsu and Luta yeah. Livre right oh yeah and, and right. they turn you off the light so it was all dark pitch dark <laughs> and I was like man I was, this thing's going crazy now you know and it was so, because everybody had you know Jiu-Jitsu guys and Luta Livre guys yeah, everybody yeah. had their yeah. supporters the guys, and uh, it was, yeah the guys the, the, the thing is uh, every single uh, um combat we have with the guys was winning by jiu-jitsu uh-huh. and it was a rivality between us and them but the, when I think today uh, that at that time there was no professionalism right. there was no, it was on the barbarian way right. so it's like a horde you know of course. You're like hey you know this is my clan that <laughs> right so <laughs> Yeah, though, so... But it didn't it, take much to get it started. Oh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. But you know one thing that I take from that, that I really feel that it gave me a lot of um, strength, is to grow up on that way, you need to know how to defend yourself. And sure. you need to be able to, like, be in a dangerous situation and get away from that and... Go home, sleep, and next day you talk about it. Right. (laughs) And it's like, whoa, man, you know? Yeah. yeah, So after you, like me, I moved here to the United States, and uh, um, let's say it's more civilized world, (laughs) you know? Then you start to look back and say, man, we were like wild, you know? (laughs) Well, that's the other thing in the U.S. If uh, part of the problem is that in many parts of the world, you get into a fight, it's a fist fight. In US, you piss off somebody, they pull out a gun and blow your head off. And oh, it's yeah. like, it's a oh, little yeah. different game of, you never know where it can lead. Less what? fights, yeah, less fights, you know, that is, for sure that is less fights. And, and uh, they have fights in school and stuff, but very little too, because it's very controlled. Right. But the boys are boys. Yeah, you know? of course. They always gonna have some disagreement and some, you know, that's not. Yep. So that's funny, Albert. 
tell us a little about your journey into this how did you end up joining this world ended up at the academy what brought you there what keeps you going there got introduced uh, to kayaki by a friend of mine and driving past his school i seen that he was part of gracie and i did my research and i was like whoa this guy is just not some guy who got his black belt from this guy, this guy, like, third, yeah, yeah, on the airplane, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this guy's legit, and uh, after going training, I seen how legit he is, he actually offers, like, a month for free to show the effectiveness wow. of it, you know, who does that? Nobody, I never exactly. heard of a free month. Imagine. Got a free lesson, that's about right. it. That's and a free gi. Well, no, no, not a free gi, you, you no. get to borrow a gi. expensive, <laughs> man, yeah. Yeah, and then when I was training, I would go float. And uh, when I would do a class, and I would go float, and I would realize that whatever I was training, mm -hmm. it was I was uh, remembering what I was taught at class inside the tank. Like, mm -hmm. I would visualize, like, whoa, what is this? Right. So then, you know, I, I'm a guy. Do you want to give a just... 20 seconds float definition. I'm sure that like 99.9% right. of, of our listeners, listeners know already. Right. That's why I bring Kayaki due to the fact that it was an opportunity and I think it was a great opportunity to bring him and let people hear his story, you know. So yeah. I, how fun would it be of us talking about an hour and a half of floating? No, you but know? even, right? well, actually would. But <laughs> <laughs> that's all good too. Floating but yeah, if unique, you... Unique uh, experience. That's right. really unique. I guess my, my whole thing is, like I said before, I like to pay it forward. You know, mm -hmm. if an opportunity is given to me, I like to get Of course. To, you know, the day of course. I was saying was something, you know, the, the day he invited me to go there for the first time, uh -huh. I came in and I looked at the tub and the water was like, how deep is that water? 11 to 12 inches. Yeah, like a foot. Right. And I look and say, man, this is, this is like, a, what, the, <laughs> yeah. what a jacuzzi is that? <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. And I, well, I got in. But when I got in, I went up on the water and I said, "Whoa!" Right. That's this is something different. You thought you were gonna? You were telling me I thought I was gonna sink. No, right. you thought you said, "Oh, in Brazil, I used to float, so I used to wave my hands." That's no, what you thought no, you were no, gonna. No, no, go in the water, and I thought it was gonna go down to the bottom. Right. And you can go down. Right. The, the salt right. keep you up, so oh, that yeah. even that's, if you fall asleep, you we are that, still floating. That's right. an amazing experience. Yeah. That's really amazing. The whole thing is just to con uh, take the senses off the body, and you mm -hmm. get you dive deep within the subconscious. I've had people come and out of a float start crying or in laughter. And the key word that's funny, it's like, it, that was awesome. Right. But there was nothing there. There was no movie playing. There was no... It was... What it is is people are realizing that they're awesome with no external stimuli bothering. It's just internal. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, whoa, that was great. That was amazing. Because you took 90 minutes of get to know who the real you right. was, you know. And there might be some things that you've hidden, emotional rage or whatever, where people come out crying or whatever it is. So I like the whole holistic approach of it because it's like self-healing plus you're absorbing magnesium, and if you read uh, uh, Dr. Carol, uh, Dr. Carol Dean's book, Magnesium Miracle, she uh, associates that with all, like almost all chronic diseases, a magnesium deficiency. Mm -hmm. I think we're just in the beginning, like the forefront of floating, and 
the reason why we called it Flow Clinic was to raise awareness on the therapeutic side. And when we started, no one was doing that. It was right. like, oh, purple monkeys and ho, ho, how you doing, you know? <laughs> Tell me again about the purple monkeys. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it did. Uh, people... Meaning like a more sort of uh, psychedelic right, experience. Right, and right. Gotcha. Whereas you wanted to emphasize the medical aspect right. of it. Right. And all. then, uh, you know, a clinic, it's, it's uh, in Greek word, it's recline. Mm -hmm. And then it's part of a medical establishment. And to be quite honest, I think floating should be part of the medical establishment as much as integrated medicine should be part of the whole thing. You know, there's the conventional or alternative. It should be all intertwined together because, <clears throat> you know, you're not going to go to stage 10 all the time. Sure. You know, you're going to go, you have a headache, a chronic headache. You're going to get it scanned, see if it's, and it's not a, uh, if it's not a tumor, then what? Could it be your diet, you know? So it should have this integrated approach, and I stand very firm with that. And I think floating is the truth, you know? I'm not trying to sell anything. People come out feeling great. I'm, my repeat customers are the therapeutic people. Right. So it makes a lot of sense, and I'm happy the direction that it's going. And as a holistic practitioner, I wanted to be involved in something like that, but there wasn't. So How did I you started. even get involved in that business? Whoa, whoa. Uh, let's start even before. Like, how did you even hear about it? How did you get involved okay, in so it? Okay, so the um, my background, my dad used to make custom aquariums. Mm -hmm. So he made fish tanks. So I heard it from the Rogan's podcast, which right. I say, oof, ninety five percent of all these new centers that are opening heard it from Rogan, hundred and ten percent. So. A lot of gratitude towards him. Of course. And he's slowly coming around. He just posted something on Gravity Institute, which the flow community is really happy, you know. But, um, yeah, I heard it from him, and I went and floated. My first experience only lasted 20 minutes because the environment that I was at, no one really knew about it. At that time, it was like 2011. Gegard Musasi was like, this is the scariest thing. It's like going to UFC, you know. And... Just some Floating? random, right, right, some strange right. ideas, yeah, man. That's not correct. <laughs> really? Right. <laughs> and the people were scared. And I remember the second time I went, the guy, the car, uh, the parking lot guy was like, oh, you're going to turn into a monkey like altered states. <laughs> yeah, people were scared of floating. Oh, yeah. Those of you guys who have never seen it, there was an hilarious movie from, what, the 80s yeah, or something? Yeah, early or 80s. Like, Uh, called Alter State that was taking sort of the flotation idea and turn it into some really <laughs> bad sci-fi monster movie <laughs> right, where you go away. it was hilarious I mean it was like what the hell it was a bad story a bad movie bad. it was bad all around right. it was really bizarre but and uh, people were scared and that was unfortunate and Me, my wife, and my dad, we all came together, and my wife is an interior architectural designer. My dad used to make custom aquariums, and I, coming from the holistic and conventional approach, we all teamed up, especially my brother David. I have to give mm -hmm. a shout-out to David. David's running the joint right now, and uh, I love him dearly. But uh, we came together and uh, started Flow Clinic, and the good thing is now we're seeing people taking that approach. Right. They're understanding, whoa, they're... It's it's treating people, and those are your repeat customers. One of our past guests is one of your uh, Tate Fletcher has yeah, been yeah. coming at you. Yeah, yeah, Tate, Tate's been awesome, and yeah. Tate's a real human being, and I, I don't know, I resonate with people that are real human beings, right, you know, with no strings attached. So. Thanks to him for stopping by. Thanks for you guys for stopping by. Kidding. Thank you. You know, yeah, so it's yeah. funny. Even Graham Hancock was mentioning he loves the float too. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. The, it's it's, it's, oh, it's no. just amazing how it's expanding. Um, and what you were saying a little bit earlier about people 
getting in the tank and focusing on it. I don't know if it was the movie or one of the other clips on your site, but it was folks that would, uh, skiers, and they would visualize mm-hmm. the tracks and, and the trails in their minds while they were floating, and it really was mm-hmm. measurable improvements in time. Right, there's a there's about 60 years of research. There's a new documentary called floatnationmovie.com. You won't be scared if you watch that. Yeah, I'll, I'll even have your listeners to get like, uh, I don't know, $2 off, probably Bolelli. Good. All right. And that just uh, give information. It's great to watch if you're a first time floater. You'll you'll see people's experiences, the doctors behind it. This is not some bourgeois type of sure. try it. And, you know, this is legit. And that's why I got involved with it. And I'm very happy. Well, everything you told us when we had our first visit, uh, removing yourself to actually have the gravity lifted from your body for mm-hmm. the only time in your life, other than I think you said laying in sand is the only time you really get that full support where nothing is being pinched, nothing is being, you are going completely, like, evenly supported. Right. That's got to be great for people. Right. Uh, it's like problems. meditation 2.0. You know, meditation, you're going to go on the floor, you're going to meditate, but gravity's still in- interrupting right. your meditation. I think that's why it takes Buddhist monks to get in such a deep state. Let's take gravity out. Boom. You don't even have to, now you're focusing deep within your subconscious. And... Whatever Kaeki is teaching is something that goes within your non-declarative brain, like where you can't speak of, like riding a bike. You can't tell someone, hey, how to ride a bike. You got to go do it. And that's what he's teaching with actions, and it's going within their subconscious. And floating helps that with sports visualization. And one thing that's interesting about what both of you guys are saying is you're taking two activities that are normally not identified as meditation, right? Mm. fighting art floating Mm -hmm. and yet at the core of it they are both to some degree a meditative experience oh yeah and that's interesting how you know we have our ideas of meditation is some guy sitting in lotus position on a pillow with you know hands but the reality of meditation is it can happen in so many other ways that's why when people say i don't like to meditate well because you have one idea of what meditation means there are a bunch of different forms, mm. whether a more physical intense, where you're so focused on the physical presence that you need to have that all other thoughts disappear, where there is an experience like floating that facilitates the meditative process by removing gravity and allowing you to be in this very quiet, silent environment. Mm. You know, that in itself is interesting. And to see how you guys have, you know, you can go float at his place, he can train at your place. There's an exchange there oh, yeah. of, uh, of different ways to achieve a certain state of consciousness. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, one thing I noticed is like, I was studying this. And when you go to sleep, mm-hmm. it, 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 for me, it happened several times. I found solutions. Hmm. while I was sleeping. Oh, yeah. And I wake up and I say, this is the way I should do. Yep. You know? Yep. And this happens several times. And when you, like I start to develop a way to do this, like thinking about or studying something that I want to know mm-hmm. before I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And thinking about it, thinking about it. And many times I found a solution while... I was sleeping, and when I wake up, I'm like, oh, man, this is the solution. So the floating is interesting for that, for any activity, because you go there, I think about you here to say, man, how are I going to submit that guy? Right. Or how can I, oh, I saw this technique, and how can I neutralize that, you know? 
and you lay there in such a relaxed stage that your brain working in some way and go take you to the direction of the solution, you know? The, the thing that you're talking about is like in teta states. When you just like wake up, you get in that teta state. And in the tank, they've said that you get in that teta state and that's why people get creative. It's your creative uh, insight when you're inside the tank or when you first wake up or while you're sleeping, you know? So right. there's science behind that. I thought it is interesting because sometimes when the harder you're trying to solve the problem, but your mind is too involved and you're too wrapped up in it. And when you let go and, you know, it's internalized, it's kind of like jujitsu, right? I mean, you know the moves, your body knows the moves. You don't even have to think about it to a point. You know all the dynamics of whatever problem you're working on. But if you think too hard, it's like if I think now I'm going to put my right foot on his hip and now I'm gonna, it doesn't work that way. You know, you need to go into a different state of consciousness that allow you to flow with it and the same thing apply on a mental level you know the same thing is is that pro- I, like to me it happens a lot when i'm driving because you know after an hour and a half on the freeway back and forth you do it all the time right. you know the road like you know every little thing in the road you're bored to that have you noticed that you're and just that- driving and you're not Oh, or, or you, how did I get here? A, you're 20 B, minutes further like, down. Whoa, the, oh, yeah. How did I even oh, drive and you like, oh, man, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder who's been driving for the past 20 right. minutes. And one yeah, of the things that I get is that I get, uh, it's often, in fact, podcasts are bad for me for that because sometimes I get into podcasts and I'm excited about the podcast and I'm listening. And I'm, but when I allow myself to get bored driving and I don't listen to something, sometimes my creative brain kicks in. And so I have all these things that pop up and I'm like, wow, that's a brilliant, quick, I need to go write it down because I have these ideas (laughs) that don't come up as quickly most of the time when I'm awake in front of a computer. It's more work. There's a lot to be said for windshield time when you sort of have that other activity going on that allows the things to whirl in the background. I was wondering, when you're in a really intense fight, there is no time for calculating, right? It's the the muscle memory times. Is, 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 Is how fast you think to see what he's giving to you, you know? Right. It's all about right that. I cannot, if you pull your army back like it is, right. I cannot take it. Right. I can't, I'm going to use a lot of power. And, and in jiu-jitsu, that's the most important thing, is to look what my opponent giving to me, and I take it. So sometimes you can, like, make he thinks, oh, I want this, but... He, he's going to give you something else, you know? By protecting himself, he's giving you something else. So that's the idea. When you have an intense fight, if you have a fast thinking, a fast, like, reflex, response, that will lead you to a victory. Absolutely. And, oh, you want to jump no, in? No, no, Because, yeah, one of the things, I was thinking again about Jigoro Khan, about Judo, but it's the exact same thing about Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm is uh, to me that's uh, when you know sometimes because we call you know the podcast is the drunk and taoist we talk about taoism and things like that to me that's taoism applied right there is that ability to read the situation for what it is not go with a dogma of how it should be but it's live there's a live opponent in front of you who's constantly changing what he's doing much like life is you can't apply the same thing no matter what the context and you need to develop the the real skill become developing that sensibility 
to feel it so that you can jump into that opportunity before that opportunity closes one second from now oh, when yeah. he pulled the arm back or when he moves a different way oh, and yeah. uh, and that to me is uh, that's art right it's that ability to it's kind of like a great chef who has that nose for just the right ingredient at the right time if you ask a great chef about cooking they'll tell you hey, you put a little bit of this you you let it cook for a while and you're like what's a while you know it's like I look at it now it's telling me it's ready you know it's like it's uh, that's that skill that is skill yeah yeah for yeah. sure and uh, and that's again is another thing that we don't think when we think uh, fighting martial arts we think it in purely physical level and there's so much more to it you know oh, the yeah. meditative aspect this ability to read things in a live context as in a situation that's constantly changing be able to make those split-second decisions. Yeah, mostly in Jiu-Jitsu, it really requires your brain. Right. Because it's so many opportunities and it's so many um, situations where you need to respond quick. Mm -hmm. So your brain is constantly in contact with your body. Right. Answering and, and, and questioning you mm -hmm. and like don't, don't, don't want to after order and, and, and really quick. So you have to have both connected really well, you know? Definitely. And in that sense is a different kind of meditative experience from floating because that one is floating is you. You are in this space where all other stimuli are eliminated and you just go within. In jiu-jitsu, there's always that element of the other person you're playing with and the ability to read reality, the reality they are offering you and interact with it. So it's, they are, in my view, they are both deep meditative experience, but difference in nature, you know, because yes, one, yes. it's about interaction, whereas the other one is about going within. Yeah. And the uh, best of both worlds is that you guys go from one place to the other and can experience both in, uh, in the same the, the day. The funny thing I noticed with uh, Kaike's students was three students. He has one, Robert. And, this, and I'm, I'm doing like my own little side research thing. Mm -hmm. Robert uh, came and floated. He, he went to the Machado. Uh, Some tournament. Yeah, he went to... And prior, he floated and won first. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a student, Brendan. Brendan uh, floated. Uh, it was an in-house tournament. Gi and no gi. Mm -hmm. He floated prior. He won gold. Mm -hmm. And then after he didn't float, he lost. Mm -hmm. And it was an MMA fighter that he has. Um, he, f he won like three in a row while he was floating three times. His last one, he didn't float. He lost. Now, I'm not saying it's the floating. If nothing else, you bring good luck. Yeah, let's it's like, it let's say, right, exactly. I, <laughs> right. But I think them practicing, because they're practicing or getting deep within a meditative state and within their own subconscious of feeling confident prior, right. prior a competition, I'm seeing it myself that, wait a minute, there, there could be something there. Well, even because anytime... As as you guys were discussing earlier, anytime you go into a fight, there's nervousness, mm. there's fear, there's all of that excess oh, yeah. adrenaline, your mouth get dry, your muscle contracts. It's hard to be able to master it where you can, you know, when you are relaxed at the studio and you can be focused and you give 100%, being able to practice at that level of skill when you are afraid, 
that's that's an art in itself that's separate from technique and in that sense maybe the floating experience can calm. help calm down right. and relax so, so, so that you basically know your skills you're confident with the tools that you have when the time's ready right and, and by the time you do have the fight you fight at a level that's closer to your training level than it is to the right <laughs> i'm scared and freaked right. out and you are 50 percent of the fighter you're in training you know it's mm. like so yeah that makes sense to me because it's uh every single time i've ever done anything uh in competitive uh usually n- grappling i'm usually okay i think it's about the idea of somebody sitting on me and punching me that i don't like particularly <laughs> so anytime there's Nobody strikes likes, involved yeah. <laughs> that's where i mean i i would go through like a week of just <gasps> you know just the week before every day you come the hours and by the time you're there it's like pure panic right it's like uh man i've had so many like fight day to me is equal to wake up early in the morning and go visit the bathroom and five minutes later go visit the bathroom again and you know by the time it's fight time you're like everybody gain weight after they weigh in why am i 10 pounds less now you know? <laughs> but you see how, how unique experience can be after the whole thing is done you feel like a better human. Oh yeah, you feel in heaven. It's like I'm still alive. You I feel like you, you feel like you have such experience that put you in a different level. Of yeah. Ordinary people, you know what I mean? Like you, like you, you. Oh, I'm something special right now, you know. And then what I say to people, and I say to my kids, I say, it's really good for you to feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not good for you to put people down. Exactly. But feel good about yourself is really good for you, and there's nothing wrong with that. And when you have something like it is, you feel really good about yourself. Oh, yeah, because you feel like... That you accomplish something that can enhance your life, you know? Absolutely. There's something about defeating those fears where you're like, I can't believe I managed to step up when I... Every single time I felt those feelings, I'm always like, this is the last time ever I do this. This sucks. I never want to do this again. But then, as you say, you get through it and you're like, ah, that felt so good. I can't believe I got through this. It's like, and then you pat yourself on the back and you're like, okay, you are a little tougher than I thought. Good job, you know? (laughs) But yeah, it's intense. That's for sure. That's why to me, martial art, when people are martial art that are always cooperative, where is always cooperative training or they are, you know, katas or things like that. That's beautiful, but that's a different thing because you don't have that experience don't of have fear. The, the fear. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. And and I think we look for that. Yeah. You know, yeah. constantly in life. I think yeah. it's something on the humans that we look for that in any situation can be on, on a martial art or not, but we always like it, looking for something to like it. we can surpass our fear or we can like you know because well, life itself is pretty damn scary yeah, right there's yes, so it is. much yes, stuff yes, out there you imagine a guys long time ago they were afraid of a tiger with a cyber yeah tooth. of course oh man we gotta gotta get the food and run away quick you know so we've been on that situation yeah for a long time it's like it today you walk on the street and like oh, we gotta watch who's around me you know and the beautiful thing to me of competition in that regard is that, you know, in daily life, unless you live in a scary neighborhood or you have some, it's easy to hide and not face the fear because it's not smacking you in the face all the time. So you can 
kind of the system pretend, exactly and you can pretend it's not there right yeah. and the fear may be a million things maybe fear of um, how other people perceive you of being judged by people of uh, public speaking of you know the list of fears is infinite there's oh, a million yeah. things but so many of them you can keep them at bay i just i just don't do that thing and i don't have to deal with it yeah, yeah fighting brings you back to a very primal level you know a sort of a, this barbaric level of raw emotions where there's no hiding there's you and this other person oh, and yeah. all your fears are gonna come up about this yeah and that's that's what i was talking about on the beginning about these tournaments mm -hmm. how good they can be to improve people life yep. the practitioner of martial art you know because you go there you face someone that you never saw before mm -hmm. it punches are not allowed so the environment is more safer for right. you so you can go after your fears with more uh, 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 with less fear right you know yeah because that's so, the other problem the facing fears if the fears are too big <laughs> that's only gonna crash you you know that yeah. doesn't avail yeah. of you oh, if yeah. you if it's more than you can handle it's a bad thing yeah so if it's just enough where it's like one inch more than you think you can handle and you barely squeeze through that's perfect yeah that you, helps if, you you, if you notice today the majority of the fighters they're fighting on the cage they start on this way mm-hmm little by little you know yep. first he sparring inside the academy second go to a tournament yep. and then they they keep challenging themselves more and more Absolutely. to the point they get into the main uh, uh, challenge you know yeah nobody's so. gonna start like tomorrow jump into ufc that's a good oh, idea oh, it's yeah. like oh yeah not oh, yeah. i saw a lot of people that they didn't they did it by instinct mm-hmm they jump in because the opportunity Is fall that? on the lap but they were not prepared for right so they have in one opportunity one experience on their life and that experience pushed them away forever of course so they never came back yep you know i i i saw this happen several times with with people that i know with people that i don't but the, you need to establish a, a, a ladder, you know, where you go one step after other, you know. Yep. You first of all you start to get your experience with people that have the same experience you have mm -hmm. and go up little by little. If you try to jump right there and happen with many guys, it, what's happened is the the history repeats itself. They never come back. Of course. They it's have one experience and they don't come back anymore. Yeah, I mean facing fear it's tough in itself it's so it's not an experience that anybody like per se you go through it because you know that you grow as a person but if you face your fear and you come through horribly and you get crushed and you feel um i don't mean the result because winning or losing you know depending on who you have in front yeah, can yeah, change yeah. but psychologically you never beat it then it's terrible because it has the exact opposite effect. It yeah, makes you feel small and weak and all of that. And it's yeah, that's why it's important to start from the bottom yep. and uh, 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 go up little by little. Because when you talk about the fear, okay, you have this fear, and then you go and you crash. But how did you crash? Or you crash because a guy caught you in an armbar? Or you crash because the guy choked you? You go back. 
But if you crash, the guy knock you out, right? Beat you up so badly. Yeah, that's you know, a different feeling. Then it's a different yep. crash. Yep. That is the one that might put you away, and you know if yep. you're not prepared for. Absolutely, gets in you, your head more. Your first experience is like that. You got beat up like yep. you never thought about. Absolutely. A lot of times, guys don't come back anymore. Of course. But the jiu-jitsu came to Brazil with a noble Japanese guy that immigrated to Brazil that was going around and fighting in different places. And he established himself in Brazil. And he met the immigration officer, which was the father of the Graces, you know? Mm-hmm. And the grandfather of those who this generation of grace that are here in the United States now. So he started to teach his kids. There was Carlos, Helio Gracie and Gaston and other 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 ki- other sons, you know? And that's how Jiu Jitsu got there. At the same time the Japanese stopped the press. The idea of the Japanese is say, look, this is um uh, hard, this is danger, we don't want to teach foreign people. So they start to focus on the stand-up part, that's judo, right? right? The judo stand-up is the stand-up part of jiu-jitsu. So they start to develop that more and hold it back on the on the ground and the, all the self-defense techniques, you know? And in Brazil at the same time, Elio and Carlos Gracie decided to create a clan to really pursue that martial art and make that their lives. So they keep it developing while Brazil going up and in Japan they they stop and they didn't practice anymore. That's why after for a while, a lot of after the UFC and stuff, a lot of Japanese they start to learn it from us, which right. was kind of contradictory. <laughs> it's pretty funny, you know? right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so it doesn't go back hundreds and hundreds of years. It's actually just a couple not of generations. Not in Brazil. Not in yeah. Brazil. It, it's just to pretty much, yeah, one, two generations maybe. Yeah. Well, it, the MMA like proved quickly. It was the way to go, though, isn't oh, it? Yeah. Crazy how I mean. I remember in the early years it was just some guy with a brick coming over and some guy trying to kick and and just yeah. But as soon as the jujitsu took hold. And it I dominate. Yeah, I, 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 I believe that even on the on the cage today, the fighters are instructed to fight stand up more because it's more entertaining for the public. Right. And when you go to the ground and you start to have the whole the clinch, the take it down, and you stay on the ground and stuff, it become it can become boring for people to watch. But that's where the victory lies. Yeah, I know, I know, but the, the thing is, uh, I I I think that the clinch is always there. So sometimes you see the fights ended up stand up with punch and kick, mm-hmm. and they go punch and kick all the time, right. stand up, because I think they also have this on the show, they have this mentality for the show that's entertain the public more. Sure. When you look like Mike Tyson fighting against Holyfield, this was the biggest boxers in the world, you yeah. know? If you put one of these guys on UFC to fight stand-up there, they don't know kick or punch, so you take that away, they will knock out everybody if it's only punch, you know sure. what I mean? Right. So, but you see how many times they clinch each other? Of course. 
So the clinch is always there. And when you don't see that on the show, many times it's because the fighter's option to stay out and trade. To stay right. out or the show idea is to stay stand up and punch and kick because that's what entertain people, you know? I guess I have a question on that, on the development of jiu-jitsu from the early days. You know, when uh, Mitsuo Maeda came and started teaching uh, his background, judo and jiu-jitsu, to the Gracie family, why did it become like the stand-up part got kind of cut more where, like today, for example, most jiu-jitsu guys are not known for their takedowns? And the primary element became the ground game where nobody's better than jiu-jitsu guys on the ground. But why, why the takedown kind of went out the door i got it when, when we start i told you the directions the majority of yeah. jiu-jitsu practitioners took yeah but they took it because they were guided to right so for you to have one idea in brazil when after for a while the ufc came in and start to get more popular so we have one technique that is really effective mm-hmm. that is a footlock right and so in Brazil they start to say, oh, this is this is not good. This is like a like a how let me say like cheating kind of thing. Yeah, kind of yeah. cheating. Well, this is like a, a technique done by you know people who don't know jiu-jitsu or whatever. And I was looking and say, what are these guys talking about? So I don't know jiu-jitsu. Elio Grace right. didn't know jiu-jitsu, or, you know. Yeah. His sons, or I say, what is that? So this is what's happening. In today's world, I was talking to my friends about this. You go to these tournaments, and there is no takedown. And I wrote a really good article on my Facebook page Mm -hmm. about this, because what I was saying is this, is where everything starts. Yep, exactly. We work to clinch. And we work to take it down. So if you take away and you create the rules on these tournaments that doesn't uh, uh, motivate the student to do a take it down, they say, why well, I'm going to do a take it down? I'm going to go down to the ground and do this. So this is how Jiu-Jitsu got watered down. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And you don't see one shimata, you don't see one double leg, you exactly. don't see nothing like that. Which so, A is beautiful and B is effective. Oh, so it's yeah, like they, oh, are, yeah. they are great techniques and instead you see two guys who are rushing to sit on their butt first to pull guard. Yeah. And it's like it, it, sometimes you see both sitting. Yeah, yeah, I hate that. Face I, each other with yeah. the feet. So what that does, that does a disservice for jiu-jitsu yep. in terms of the audience mm-hmm. because people look and they say this is not entertaining. Yep, I agree. And do a disservice for the practitioners because they think taking down is nothing. Right. And, and that's where everything starts. Yeah, I need to know how to put my opponent down and don't let him get up again. Yeah, because you can be the greatest jiu-jitsu guy in the world, but if you can't take the fight to the ground, then you're toast. You you're know? in trouble. You're going to spend a lot of energy. You're going to yeah. and you you are going to end up in a situation that you might lose the the, the combat because you, you, how long can you keep it holding and keep it like it, trying? Or you lay in your back? That's back situation in a combat is a. a um, is a is a is a 
I don't say an accident, but it's a it's a situation that happened that you don't want to be. Yeah, absolutely. We can fight from our back, but the target is to <laughs> to be on top, top, right? Yes, of course. Yeah. So that is submissions can apply from the bottom and sure. stuff, but we are there because. The situation happened. Something didn't work as planned. The guy was better yeah. than me in a takedown yeah. and putting me down. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But yeah, it's not my option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Given a choice, I'd yeah, rather that's be. A, that's yeah. the kind of thing. So, so the way people teach jiu-jitsu today, the majority teach yeah. jiu-jitsu today, and I'm not criticizing nobody. Like I say, the world is free. At least the world we live. Right. And we try to be free, huh? The NSA, look. <laughs> you know? But, but, you can choose whatever you want. Sure. I'm not criticizing nobody. I'm just saying, this is not what I learned. This yep. is not what I believe. This is not what I think is productive and is enhancement yep. for the student, you know? Absolutely. You, you came up with a good point, Daniel, because that is exactly what's happening right now. So it showed to me that you are updated. <laughs> nice. <you know? laughs> Thank you. That's it. And you have the mind of the martial artist because yeah. you see what is this. Right. Because to me, like the clinch, the takedown is the key because then oh, yeah. if you're better on the ground, well, that will allow you to go to the ground. If you're better standing up, it allows you to stand up. But without that element, you're fighting the fight that the other person want to put oh, you yeah. in. You know? Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, Albert is, is a testimony here that we, in every single class, we practice take it down. Yeah. We practice ways to take it down. And not only the mechanic of the take down, but also the idea behind jiu-jitsu that I'm using your move against yep. to you. Exactly. I'm trying to take you down forward. You force it back, that's where I go. Yep. So this is, so we are over this over and over. I Every love single that. class, you know, nice. it's a different situation. One hip throw, one leg throw, one back throw. So every single situation that could be applied for a reality, you know? Absolutely, because that's ultimately the background that originally came from Mitsuyo Maeda past to Elio Grace into you guys is both you know the guy Maeda was judo and jiu-jitsu oh was yeah the ground game the takedowns the whole full thing for sure and for uh, sure. and that's where otherwise it's like you are great at jiu-jitsu but then you have to train pure freestyle wrestling to get the takedown yeah. and it's like it's already there if you go back he was the moves were there just oh yeah uh, you see you see pictures of uh, Elio Gracie and Carlos Gracie mm -hmm. 1930s and, and doing party. big throws, oh, right? Do a shimata, yeah. you know, and a big throw. And, and when we grow up, this was a main thing for us, too, you know. Absolutely, he was very afraid of what I'm gonna say, Daniel. He should be, <laughs> <laughs> he should be. <laughs> but like, since uh, yeah, we're gonna be wrapping soon, we have some crazy working crew in the next room, they are building, I don't know, a nuclear submarine. I don't know what they are doing. I think they're running. Crazy drone noise. flights underneath the studio today. I mean, it's just madness. Yeah, it's they're not crazy. afraid of anything right now. The system protected right. them. Right, exactly. They yeah. just knock the hammer. Yeah. I'll <laughs> turn the mic to both of you guys. Anything that you want to mention, make our listeners aware of? Anything you want to throw out there? 
um, about whether you're academy, you name it, you know. The mic is open for all you right, in any direction right. you want. Thank you, thank you. I want to thank you, Daniel, for the opportunity. Thank you. This was great, you I'm know. I'm glad and, uh, you enjoyed it. I tell you, this um, make me uh, think about a lot of things that of my day-by-day day life, and and I was really impressed how update you are, <laughs> you know, Thank you. with the whole martial art environment. That was really great. That was grateful because I was really pleased with that. Thanks you know? so much, man. I appreciate and, it. And what I say is like, if he, the the audience, anybody want to learn jiu-jitsu with us, you know, all I can say is that our focus first than anything is to teach you. Our focus is on the martial art. The business side will come after. That's what I believe. Right. We will succeed if we do good for people, you know? And that's what we're doing. We try to use jiu-jitsu to make people's life better, you know? That's beautiful. And like I say, we're located in Lomita and... Uh, I'm, I'm not put, too good um, on advertising, so... No worries. I'm going <laughs> to uh, put a link to your academy at oh, the, cool, the website. I'll put it in the episode notes. So those of you guys who are in the LA area, you want to check it out, I'm going to put the link in the episode notes. I'm also going to put the link for... Um, uh, float clinic for thank you, um, thank you. so that anything that you want to yeah throw I'm, out I'm there? just I'm I'm just really happy that uh, you know Kaike could uh, express who he is mm-hmm. because when I went to him I was shocked like how come the world doesn't know about him right you know and I think this is a great gateway of having your listeners and your listeners are awesome people you know so we love you yeah 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 I was your listener that's right what, that's right you know? yeah. I, I'm I'm reading this man's book, The Way of the Warrior, and I see him at Whole Foods. Imagine, yep. hey, how are you? And then we, you know, and Bolelli is a great person, and I personally want to thank you for. And you have uh, excellent taste, I must say. Yeah. You're a great judge of character, right? And, because, and I knew you you, you would find this interesting because you're interested in Henzo and Sakuraba, sure. and you know the, the whole martial aspect of it. And doing my research with Kaeki over here, I was just uh, I knew you guys would bond, and he would. He would kind of dispel the things about jujitsu that sure. you had questions about. And jujitsu and floating is working hand in hand. So, flowclinic.com, if you guys are in the LA area, uh, I'll, I think there's a code like $5 off for all, all your listeners, Bodelli. Beautiful. Yeah. Let's, so. If it's not, put it in. And yeah, we'll, we'll make put it, it action, in. Right? That's with the floatnationmovie.com. Great movie to watch if you're a first time floater. Or if you stop by a torrent, it's a $5 off. It, we're, I think we're the most affordable float center there is. We're $45 for 90 minutes. Now it's going to be $40. Wow. Yeah. yeah you guys so we're not it. trying to be no, rich either. We just want to enhance people to self observe. And You know, the it. very first time I floated was in 1990 yeah, in Rome too. way back in Rome. the day Whoa, uh, in Rome Italy huh? there was a tiny little float place right. and uh, yeah, it was it was a trip those are the Samadhi tanks those, they've been around and on that documentary it's going to show they've the been around yeah. Between, yeah. yeah the, the Sam- Samadhi tanks are awesome ours are float rooms you know and the whole float there's a community there's a conference when right. Aubrey Market was yep. there so you know and a lot of thanks to Rogan and that's one thing I would like Rogan to know that there's a community out there yep we're, yeah. we're, we're waving our hands like hey but I'll, that he basically helped create right by, mention, out and, there and, and and by like, mentioning sensory deprivation yep, tanks absolutely. everyone's gonna go if I hear that like what yeah, yeah, what's yeah, that about of course and a many thanks to him by just conversation 
by just conversation. Isn't it funny how so many of these conversations we have, somehow Rogan managed to come back in one way or another. Because, right. yeah, he it's has how been, this whole thing happened. He, I heard him on, right, and it was like, well, he's got more to say. Let's see if we can meet him. Met him at his college, and off we went. And he's, he's two he's years a humble, ago. He's a humble person. Yes. You know, he won't say, oh, it's me. Yeah, thanks to me. So, you know, he's a humble person, and just, I think the whole float community wants to say thank you for repopularizing floating, and the people that are floating as well, they want to say thank you to him. So, that's where we stand. Thank you, dear Podfather. We all love you. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for coming. Thank you very much, guys. That's awesome. Thank you. the funky music means that's the end of the interview and it's almost the end of the show that was nice you absolutely always nice to see albert i cannot go on long enough about how awesome the float tanks are anybody who's afraid of a float tank get over it hop on in get it you will not turn into a blobule monkey monster the first time so give it a try man it's relaxing it's incredible we had a blast when we went yeah if you guys are in the la area go visit him he's a super nice guy we're happy to support him and help him out and uh, because he's been nothing but nice to us now speaking of nothing but nice a million thank you to those of you guys who uh, continue engaging in the strange activity of giving us money for something that we give out for free you guys are so sweet so time to screw up a few people's names with my horrible english pronunciation let the pottering begin today we have gordon cinco debbie scott Desmond Colton was one of our repeat donors and speaking of repeat also John Hatfield we have Tara Sides John Atterbury I should figure it by now because you have already donated multiple times and you're on a repeat list but sorry man Atterbury so I fuck it up I apologize a little something different for each one it's nice we have Hattie Antink uh, Jared Kimball oh Jared Kimball there's a bit of a story here so I'll tell it real quick so I'll make it real fast. He's an American guy who was in my own hometown in Milan visiting and ended up falling in love with a girl from Turkey. He's now in a chase love across the world, so he wants to move to Turkey and head out there. So if any of you guys, by some remote chance, end up to live in Turkey and have some kind of hookups for him in terms of visas, jobs, anything like that, he would be deeply appreciated and I'll put, uh, I don't know, maybe email me and I'll pass the email to him or something like that. But so if you guys uh, can do such a thing. So how'd you, you end know. up fighting ISIS on the Turkish border again? Yeah, exactly. He's like, <laughs> that's that. a crazy story. But um, what else we have? Alexander Kuzner, also repeat, repeat by Aaron McLaughlin, uh, David Peterson, Matthias Eilstock. Um, I think these are our repeat donors and then we have well he's not officially on repeat but almost Federico Faro he's back now yeah he's been his here his fellow Brazilian today exactly Eleanor Morgan um, Paul Co- Paul Cosider is a funny thing he's um, this morning I opened my email and I see that uh, he sent some money and he said well 
I made multiple copies of the Taoist uh, lecture series and I gave it to my friends because it was easier than to download and stuff. But I'm sending you the, I'm like, this is so damn sweet. You're sending me the money for pirating the thing. And wow. you're actually, so in reality, you're not really pirating because you're paying for it, but it's awesome. You you're on to something so. here. The kids of America and your stolen music that destroyed the music industry. Listen to the example this man is making. Somebody made that music for me. Somebody wrote that music you're listening to. Send him a damn nickel. Well, that's the thing though that I appreciate and I think this system makes it easier is if you know that the money you send go to the people who produce the content you're yeah. much more likely to give money i mean hell i'll pay a buck for music if i know that that dollar goes to the musicians but if i know that 10 cents go to the musician and 90 go through 17 middlemen in the recording industry i'm probably a little less likely to want to do that but not emi they're so, okay <laughs> right but paul cozier in any case thank you so much man that was really sweet and last but not least uh, straight from Italy, Federico Rossi, my friend from... I met him teaching a martial arts seminar in Italy in probably 98, something like that, forever ago. Thank you so much, my man. It's deeply, deeply... Actually, I'm going to throw some Italian for you. Voglio ringraziarti profondamente per questa miracolosa cosa che hai fatto di mandarci dei soldi dall'Italia, che nessuno ha fatto fino a dove, e sei il primo a farlo. Grazie, grazie, grazie. Okay, so on that note... Isn't that what the Pope said when he was saying... Word by word. Caso, <laughs> caso. Word by word. Wow. Now, a couple of other things. Taoist Lecture Series, it's out. Um, I have the link in the episode notes if you want to check it out. Go for it. It's over seven hours worth of stuff. We're going to put up at some point, probably soon, a little um, like a bonus to the Drunken Taoist. We're going to release one of those 16 episodes of the Taoist Lecture Series. So if you want to check it out, you can listen to that on the side or you can take it on fate and go with it. Either case, it's out. Um, affiliate sponsor, Audible. If you guys are in the market for audiobooks, Coracao chocolate valentine day is coming up so they have a whole series of new special packages for valentine day so if you want to do that please go through the episode notes with the link and the discount and what else as usual amazon if you shop on amazon please 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 please, please use our link anything else we need to throw out there oh daisy house thank you daisy house for the music as usual and with that i can hear thai food calling our name Evan, thank you so much for showing up. It's nice likewise. to see you. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, man. Good to be like, here. I stopped believing you are a real person by now. I was like... <laughs> Cyborg or not. Awesome, man. Let's go eat. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon.
in questo caso, in questo caso le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> This was great. It's fucking awesome. Get back to work.